0: This episode is brought to you by the Law Office of Joseph I. Martin, focusing on real estate closings and probate matters with 20 years of experience. For services, contact Joey at 478-374-1505. Riles Drugstore is a locally owned and operated independent pharmacy with pharmacists that live in the neighborhood, know patients by name, and are dedicated to keeping you, your family, and our community healthy. They offer fast, friendly service with competitive pricing and free delivery to surrounding counties. Remember that Ryle's Drug Store also has Riles Outfitters conveniently located inside, a boutique that offers home decor, gifts, and clothing for men, women, and children. Shop local and make our community a better place to live. Call today at 229 868 6735 or stop by at 12 South 2nd Avenue, McCray Helena, for help with any of your needs. The Merchants and Citizens Bank is a proud sponsor of throwing it around. They have been a vital part of the local community since 1929 and offer traditional products and services people have come. To expect. In addition, they offer internet banking, mobile banking, which includes mobile deposit, ATM banking, and telephone banking. For all your banking needs, contact them at 229-868-5656 or you can choose to visit them on the web at www.merchantsandcitizensbank.com. Milton CPA Services LLC is your locally owned, full-service accounting, auditing, and tax preparation professionals. Please visit them for all your bookkeeping and taxation needs to help keep your family or business running smoothly. For expertise and peace of mind, call on them. Located in the Old Security State Bank Building in McCray, Helena, call them at 229-868-5614 or visit them on the web at www.MiltonCPAServices.com. Vineyard Doodles. If you're looking to add a new member to your family, visit them on Facebook and or Instagram or on their website at www.vineyardoodles.com. The Cannon Law Firm is a general law practice focusing on real estate transactions, family law, criminal defense, social security, disability, and personal injury. Call attorney Lee Cannon and his staff to assist you with all your legal needs with locations in McRae and Eastman. The Cannon Law Firm offers you big city expertise with the charm of small town service. As hunting season approaches, contact Kyle McNeil of Turkey Creek Outfitters, for to schedule an upcoming hunt, for if you if you're hunting turkeys, deer, dove, pheasants, he's got it all out there. Contact them. You can go to his page, uh, page Turkey Creek Outfitters, on Instagram and Facebook today. Jason's Fast Lube, whether your passion is safety, luxury, or adventure, or just staying on budget, let Jason's Fast Lube in McCray, Georgia, help you keep your vehicle in top-notch condition. And his crew offers oil change, rotating, balance, tires, wheels. Electrical system checks and batteries. Make an appointment with your nearby, Jason's Fast Lube in McRae, Georgia, or drop in today. Head over, head on over to Jason's Fast Lube in McRae, and get your expert advice for world world-class tires and great customer service at 200 Avenue, McRae, Atlanta, Georgia 31055, or con- and contact them if you call at 229-868-5344. Now. Welcome into to episode 26. I know episode 25 was very fun to have. Got to talk to Virginia Tech offensive coordinator Tyler Bowen, and now I'm back home and sitting down with somebody that, I, that you haven't heard from since episode three back at the beginning of this adventure. So and we're going to talk a little bit about the Atlanta Braves again since they played today and put on a show for everybody. And we're just talking about some current events that happened within professional sports or college sports because it's really uh, college football is about to rev up too. So, uh, welcome back in, Jacob Mullis. I mean, it's been a while, man. It's good to be back. It has been a while. Um, a couple, for sure, about half a year. At almost. Least. Yeah, almost. Yeah, I was going to say episode three, I think. And we're just going to sit here basically, and it's, it's going to be one of those uh, winged episodes like we did with episode down at Stamps, I believe. Yep. It, was in the, it was in the conference room. So, I mean, the main topic is going to be the Atlanta Braves being that's fresh on everybody's mind. I know they played a – they're playing a doubleheader today, which is a makeup from – Back in in June. Back in June, I think. Yeah, they had some bad weather weather up in New York, I believe. Or was it in Atlanta that they got canceled? I don't remember for sure. Well, yeah, some bad rain canceled one of them. They were either in New York – I think they might have been in New York because it wouldn't have been brought to New York if it was in Atlanta. So, yeah, I mean, I know they had a – huge offensive showing today in game one I believe what was the final score again 21 to 3 21 to 3 I know it was 20, 20 something I know t- 22 hits but I couldn't remember the, the scores and no, um we'll talk about the trade deadline a little bit too being that I sat down with middle Georgia pitcher uh, Corey Williams if you hadn't checked that out go check him out on, in, on episode 24 we talked about just our overall opinions of the Braves and this was before the all-star break and of course before the trade deadline, we talked about how what we thought they needed to do and what we thought they would do going towards the end of the season. After, as soon as they hit the home stretch, but today I know one big one one big piece that they did pick up during the trade deadline was utility player uh, Nicky Lopez from the Kansas City Royals. I mean, so far, I mean he's 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 actually made his uh, made a big stamp. On his on his reputation as a brave, now a lot of people might have looked at him and think, "Well, who the heck is this guy? Do the Braves really need him?" He stepped up and did a job today. Yeah,
1: first start as a brave, starting at shortstop yep. start today for Orlando Arcy, and mm-hmm. I believe he went four for six at the plate with a couple doubles, a three-run homer, and even got a save on the mound to end the ninth inning.
0: So he <laughs> oh, a yeah. three up three down innings. So. Oh, for sure, for sure, and you know it's kind of it's it's actually a little fun. I mean, of course, yeah, if if. This blowout goes in your team's favorites a bit more fun, of course, but in these types of games, too, you get to see some uncanny people get to pitch, you know. You do. And, it's, it's interesting and it makes for a good laugh and good times. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really mm-hmm. does. Oh, yeah, I know. And uh, just for example, uh, uh, going, for the, going for the Braves and against the Braves, I know some of the funnier ones that we've seen before is like Charlie Culberson, who yep. I think have got. Went back into free agency, and then I think yet again signed another minor league deal. Third time this for year. For the third time, I don't know what in the world's happening with him. But hey, I'm I'm glad he's still here. Um, Charlie has pitched before in these types of games. That like uh, Lopez picked up a save today. Well, I, I, you would say he picked up a close, not necessarily save. Him. Yeah. And you would hope that, that you would hope that didn't turn into a save type of situation because yeah. that would have been terrible. For sure. I know Lopez was big, uh, and I know one one person that was real funny to watch that went against the Braves in this type of uh, in this type of game was Anthony Rizzo. I remember seeing it in this certain game it was back at Truist Park, and this was before uh, dearly beloved Freddie Freeman departed for L.A. I know that was talked about i think they kind of went back and forth on social media about it with each other how anthony rizzo ended up striking out freddie freeman getting him to chase after a ball he did and i can't remember if it was on three pitches or was it four and i may be wrong on that
1: altogether, but I remember that it bat very vividly in the rizzo pitch because the Braves were way out in front of the Cubs were way out in front one the other obviously but mm-hmm. freddie actually struck out swinging on rizzo and he and rizzo are good friends going way back and that was all kind of stuff on Facebook and Twitter for a couple of days there. It was pretty interesting to keep up with.
0: And then you had a a uh, then you had another situation where Freddie gets caught in a rundown and. I think Anthony Rizzo was actually mic'd up. It was a Sunday night game, I think. I think yeah, I remember it that, too. They were plenty. Was that yeah.
1: when he was with the Yankees or Cubs still? It was,
0: he was still with the Cubs at this time. It was a Sunday night game, and they had, chose to mic him up for that game, and you could hear him yelling at him, Freddie, Frederick, Fred, <laughs> just going back and forth. And You know, those two guys aren't the fastest guys in the world, but watching them... Chase back and forth in that rundown. I don't know why, but it just kind of give you a little bit of a, a giggle, you know. Two very elite first basemen just having oh, yeah. a great time. Oh, for, sure, for good sure, to see. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, as we head toward the end of the season, I know. Well, f- well, first let's go. Uh, let's resort, resort back to the trade deadline. Your overall uh, opinion, or grade per se, of the trade deadline. I mean, a lot of people think the Braves did just enough. A lot of people think that the Braves should have done a little bit more. I mean, I know they picked up Brad Hand as a guy to help in the bullpen. Brad Hand's always been kind of that consistent guy, not a superstar in the bullpen, but the Braves didn't necessarily need to pick up a superstar. You know, it's just somebody to help out that bullpen because anybody with, I will go ahead and say, anybody with common sense or horse sense or whatever you want to call it, Knows that the Braves needed some help in the bullpen because they've, they've closed out games, but they've made it that they've made it a little too close before. You're exactly
1: right. I mean, yeah. we want to thank the Rockies for helping us out yeah. because every pitcher we acquired was from the Rockies. Uh, yeah. Taylor O'Hearn and Pierce Johnson coming from the Rockies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Taylor O'Hearn, obviously. <coughs> Excuse me. He had one appearance as a Brave. And- it didn't go his way, so no, uh-uh. they actually traded him to Kansas City to get Nicky Lopez, which mm-hmm. obviously Nicky Lopez had a better inning pitching than Taylor O'Hearn. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, Pierce Johnson, I mean, I was looking at his stats last night. He's play, he, playing for the Braves. He hasn't given up an earned run yet. I mean, I don't think he's gave up a run, period. But his ERA is down below two mm-hmm. since he joined the Braves. I mean, he's had 11 games, so he's had a fair chance, you know, to mess mm-hmm. up or do a great job, and he's doing a great job. Uh, Brad Hand, he's that veteran guy at the clubhouse. He's going to bring you veteran presence. He's a left-headed pitcher. He don't throw it as good as he once did, but when you're a southpaw, touch 92, 93, you're fine. I mean, as long as you locate your pitches, you mix mm-hmm. up your pitches, playing good baseball, I mean, any time you can get a left on your team I and mean, on your side, it's a great thing. I was interested to see, going back to Taylor O'Hearn, I was interested to see just how good he was going to be because – He's never really been really, really good. He's never really fully clicked. So I was interested to see would the change of scenery from coming from Colorado help that being, that's a hitter's ballpark, obviously. The truest part being a pitcher's ballpark. I was kind of interested to see how that changed, but I mean, he only threw two-thirds of an inning or full inning and gave up three runs, a Homer, I mean. So it didn't work out, and Braves are one of those teams if you don't do the job, they can get you going and Figure something else out. I mean, we've seen Alex and Thabit do that for five, six years now. Mm-hmm. So, trade deadline is huge yeah. part of the Braves.
0: It is. It really is. I mean, and I, uh, I'm one of those people that hold the idea that I think they could have done more, but they've seen they, they seem to have what they've what they did do at the deadline. They seem to have made it work so far. And let's just hope that nobody really falls. Uh, let's just hope that nobody falls victim to. I guess you say uh, a late season slump because if, you, if you're going to slump a little bit, you need to do that, i say now, uh, either, either do it now or back before the break, you know. I mean, either start doing it early, Late. Uh, this may not make sense, but er, early, late season. Does that make sense? I would say the top half of the second half of the uh, of this home stretch here. That's right. And it's,
1: it's crucial. And we know, always know the Braves either start out the season... Awful yeah. and then get hot yeah. or they come up all-star break and are awful and then get yeah. hot. Yeah So either way they eventually get hot yeah. and this year we were hot out the gate not hot out the all-star break, but These last two games versus the Mets we put up 30 runs Mets, We've outscored them 30 to 3 so you figure out scoring your opponent 30 to 3 you got Spencer Strider going to the mound at 7-5 and that You're looking for that to be Pretty much shut down. Braves normally – Braves have a very good history against Jose Quintana from his days in Chicago where he faced him quite a few times, handful of times. Um, so we should be good. I mean, we got a bunch of right-handed bats in the lineup ready. We got Marcelo Zuna. He's been swinging a hot stick lately. Austin Riley's been started cooking since the All-Star break. Mm-hmm. Matt Olsen, your new MLB home run leader as of today, passing Shohei Otani. Um, that's huge. So – Look for these guys to get to clicking on all cylinders. Look for Spencer Strider to go for seven, eight in, especially after his rough start in Pittsburgh. Uh, you know he wants to make up for that, and uh,
0: so it's going to be interesting to see. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and we can't discount uh, can't discount Spencer Strider as you just mentioned breaking his own, actually breaking his own little record of I think it was fastest. Fastest the fastest pitcher to reach you know, 200 strikeouts. The you know, fastest pitcher, or the shortest amount of games to reach 200 strikeouts inside of a season. So, I mean, that right there just kind of shows you how dominant he's been these past two seasons, you know, with setting that record and then you break your own record. It's yeah. like, come on, man. I mean, is there anything else that you want to do to impress Braves Nation? And see, it's, it's crazy because he's only a three pitch guy. Most people mm-hmm. do not
1: realize that. He is mm-hmm. a three pitch guy. When he first came onto the Seen as a starting pitcher and even in his early days of being a reliever. He was a two-pitch guy, fastball slider. Now he's got fastball slider. Changeup, he's adapted to changeup into his arsenal. Yeah, he only throws it 8 nine, ten 9%, 10% of the time, so not a whole lot. You figure 80 pitches a game, he's throwing it maybe eight times. But that fastball, you know you're getting it 60% of the time. And what's bad is
0: hitters know it's coming and still can't hit it. Oh, yeah, absolutely, for sure. And you think, well, being we're still going uh, on the pitching staff, uh, starting in and inside the bullpen, uh, it was great to see. Finally, uh, Max Reed seems to be uh, well on the mend. He he seems like he's almost back to 100%. He may still he may still be trying to shake off a bit of rust. Who knows? But his uh, his comeback start in Chicago was great. I mean, he he went out there and he did his job. I mean. What did he start, game one? He started game mm-hmm. one in game Chicago game. that Friday afternoon. Yeah. And
1: he honestly, probably, if you talk to him yeah. right now face-to-face, he'd probably say mm-hmm. he would have win another inning. All right. Because he went seven innings, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And I think so. I think he was only at like 89 pitches. Mm-hmm. They pulled him right. anyway.
0: Did Mac, has Max pitched in New York, or or is that just an he's, old clip I saw? He's not
1: pitched in New York uh, this year. I yeah. believe he pitched. I'm not sure if he's scheduled to pitch in New York or not. Let's mm-hmm. Spencer's pitching tonight. not. Chirino's tomorrow. Yes, Max Freed pitches Monday night against the Yankees. Monday night. At okay. home. So. Right.
0: And that's Renos, that Serena's, that guy, when I saw, was it the third game against the Cubs, I believe? Or it might have been second or third game. He didn't do so hot. I mean. He did Yeah, His first game with yeah. the Braves
1: was actually really good. Uh, yeah. I mean, it wasn't spectacular. Yeah, it wasn't spectacular. But it was scrappy yeah. good. It right. got the job done.
0: Right, right, I got you. And I know uh, another thing, too, is, is the Braves are waiting on people to come off of the I.L. They that, are. The, that's another thing that's really kind of holding them back is waiting on people to get healthy, But which goes back to my point I said two or three minutes ago, is that they're making what they have work right now. They're staying, they're staying in the lead. As far as I know, they still hold the biggest division lead in baseball right now. I think last time I looked, if it hasn't changed, it was – 10 games up on the Phillies, I think? I think it's 12 now, but I'll verify now. that as we continue on. I th- but la- the last time I looked, like I said, it changes day by day, you know, but the last time I looked, I think that this was I'm not, this was as they were in mid-skid per se. It was 10 games. You hit the nail on the head. It's it 10 games exactly. It was 10, okay. So but the Phillies have yet to play today, and we play one more game mm-hmm. tonight, so and that, and seeing that's a big chance too, being these, these double headers that come up ever so oh, often. Phillies are actually delayed,
1: so. Okay. They're in Philly, delayed by severe weather, so.
0: You see, these double headers that come up ever so often are big chances for teams that are either trailing and trying to get a division lead or those who are trying to further a division lead. So that's something the Braves need to take full advantage of. And I know uh, Kyle Wright is one guy who has been on the I.L. almost as long, well, I'd say a tad bit longer than Max Freed, being he's still there. I mean, he he got put on the I.L. kind of early, and then Max Freed kind of followed right behind him. He thought Max has already made his way back, and if Kyle comes back and and becomes Kyle Wright as we know him once again, the Braves should be well on their
1: way to being just fine. And you got to think also a lot of name a name that people aren't really thinking about and keeping in the back of their head, Ian Anderson. He's also yeah. on the IL, but he's not probably going to pitch this season. If he does, it's going to be late September, early October. Nah, he, he, he had Tommy John. Yeah, he won't be pitching. Pick- so. twenty
0: twenty four is out of the picture for him because he 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 only made a handful of starts at Gwinnett, and it was announced that he had to have Tommy John surgery. So it's going to be at least. Like we said, early early season next year. Yep. That's what I'm going to say. He's probably not even close to throwing a baseball right now. I think he's throwing. Oh, he's throwing? I think okay.
1: I think they did say he could potentially come back right at postseason, but I wouldn't bring a guy no, I wouldn't, from not, Tommy John to I postseason play. I, I really wouldn't be would. that fast with it now. I would not.
0: Because the normal recovery time, I mean, I'm not a medical professional, but don't they say 12 to – it varies based on a case by case. I was, I was gonna say case by case, but I've always heard somewhere between twelve to eighteen months. Yeah, I guess it depends on how your therapy goes yeah. and all yeah. that yeah. stuff. Yeah, depends on how it uh how it progresses. I mean, for those that progress fast, I mean, hey, if you want to try it, I mean, uh, that's well, like Bryce Harper though. He had surgery. Uh, Tommy John, 160
1: yeah. days. He's back in the lineup. Yeah, I
0: mean, that's there's a character on Andy Griffith that says, "If you want to try that, more power to you." You know.
1: From Tommy John surgery, you need at least nine months, but probably longer to rest, recover, strengthen, and
0: retrain yeah, before returning to sports. See, that comes down to the strength. Okay, the, the more months. See, that comes down to strengthening it back and honing it in to be sure that you really are ready. Bryce Harper had come back that quick, though. Ooh, that's
1: mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, I know. Because hell of a player he is.
0: Yeah, that's true. And you see, that uh, at, for the longest time, too, he – he came back and just strictly was a DH, so there was no throwing involved. But also makes you wonder too is that, I mean, what what kind of strain in on that new ligament does batting put on it instead of simply being out in the field and throwing a baseball? I mean, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's a different amount of strain. it, it must be less. Especially considering, yeah. you know, he's a left-handed hitter. His yeah. right
1: side is facing the pitcher. He was actually hitting the elbow one game and came out. But mm-hmm. I don't think he missed any games for time due to that. So. Right,
0: right. Pretty incredible. Oh, absolutely. It was. It was. I was surprised at the. I was surprised at the speed that he came back. But he came back, and he. Uh, a lot of people were saying that. The way he's been playing first base, because, you know, they're without a first baseman right now, I I think. He's out for the year. I was going to say, yeah, Reese Hoskins is out for a year, for the the year. And Bryce came back and seems to – a lot of people, a lot of announcers and sportscasters were saying he looks like he's always played first base. But, you see, Bryce Harper is one of those baseball players that – he isn't a utility player, but he could very well be one, you know. Very, very well. He's he's yeah. that kid that grew up playing wherever needed yeah, to be covered. Yeah, exactly. He's the guy that I'm sure whatever team he played on growing up, He he's probably one of those guys who just told the coach, Coach, wherever there's a wherever there's a vacancy, I'll go play there if you need me to. But, you know, before before he got into the majors and became an outfielder and all, you know, he did actually pitch a little bit. He did. In high school and in that junior community, – or community college or junior college, whatever he went to. He pitched a little bit there, and he also he also was a catcher. Yep. So that it that really wouldn't surprise me if, because nobody knows for sure, but it, it wouldn't surprise me if Bryce is listed as a, like, bottom tier, like if it comes to this type of catcher for the Phillies. Emergency know? catcher. Yeah. If basically, yeah, I'll say emergency catcher, or if it comes down to it, I'll catch if I have to type of thing. Charlie Cloverson was the Braves, so I don't know
1: who it is now. Yeah, I'm not sure who it would be either. <laughs> I think Marcelo Zuna is actually the emergency catcher. Really? I think he caught back in his younger days, and yeah. he's actually the emergency catcher, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Because I know a lot of people don't know don't know this about it about this guy either. But you know, Kenley Jansen was a catcher before he, he started, before he started pitching, and you know they were. You see how hard he can throw as a pitcher. and you, know, you translate that over to throwing somebody out at second base. I mean, you could see just as just as accurate as any of the catchers today. You should watch some old film of him doing so. It was back in the uh, was it Curacao he come from? I think. I think Curacao. Yeah, you right. saw some film from from Curacao where he threw it out some people. Play, whenever he was playing catcher, it was just impressive. I mean, he, kind of, he it, it really looked like a lot of the major uh, major league guys there today.
1: Okay, so looking here, it looks like Austin Riley is our emergency catcher.
0: That makes sense.
1: <laughs> I mean, I,
0: I could see that.
1: I mean, I've heard I've heard Brandon and Jeff talk about it on the broadcast uh-huh. about Marcel catching in the old days. So I'm sure you could, sure could do it if you had to.
0: Yeah, I, it it makes sense. I mean, the guy's big enough, and he, he looks like he's able to. He looks like he's mobile enough to be back there behind the plate. Austin uh, Riley, uh, he ain't gonna throw out your elite baseline no, in a second. No, no, no. Second, by no, 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 means. no I'm, I'm saying <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm basically I, what, I guess what I'm trying to say is that he looks like one of those guys that can like do the basics of a catcher back there, basically mobile enough to really block a ball, be that wall, you know. Keep it keep it close. Yeah, keep it close. I would say maybe if he had to throw somebody out, it's more of a more of a straight shot trying to throw somebody out at third. I would see yeah, Ozuna being more accurate at stealing at, at throwing out a base stealer trying to go trying to go to third than second base. Yeah, and you know, he's not got the strongest arm as well
1: known across, you know, all the Braves country. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's why. And Cardinals right. Mar- Country. Oh yeah, Marlins Mar- 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 Country. And
0: oh yeah, that's well known. That's well known. I see, and that's one thing that can, that's I've always been kind of confused about that too is that where where has Miami Marlins Marcelo Zuna been since he left Miami? You know, post- he tore it up in Miami. And he did good
1: with the Cardinals his first season, if I'm not mistaken, or first mm-hmm. half of the first season. And then from there, he just kind of fell off. I mean, it got to where Cardinals fans were booing him. I mean. It got rough, and It probably didn't even good to see a change of scenery, his first year at Atlanta. So he had an awesome year. Mm-hmm. Signed the big contract, obviously. And still with Atlanta. Started off the year awful. God awful. I mean, less than 100 batting average. Was wondering if he was going to get released. Passed a 10-year mark in uh, MLB time in May. He was wondering whether he was going to get released or what was going to happen. And he just turned it around. That one series in Miami, the beginning of May, and Ever since then, he's just been smashing the cover off the ball, getting base hits opposite field, taking pitches, taking walks. Did you see his hit last night down the third baseline? Rolled down the grass the whole way. Really? Perfect. I mean, you thought it was a bunt. Mm -hmm. Beat it out for an infield single. So, simple things like that go a long way in the long run.
0: Yeah, and also, and that kind of reminds me uh, about big guys like that can really stretch it out and run if they had to. I guess you say that one local comparison I will say is like you and I both played baseball with Rustin Hancock. You know, Rustin. Rustin well, yeah, like you. Rustin was one of those guys that really could. Rustin, uh, like, Rustin will leave like, you like, in the dirt. Like Ru- Rustin would leave you if, like, if he he's one of those guys that had like straight line speed. Because if if he really got himself like stretched out and going, the boy can run. Yes, sir. But I yeah. see. But it, it also depended on how how far he had to run too. Which, Home to first, yeah. you, you're looking pretty quick. Yeah. yeah, for sure, for sure. But, yeah, if I had to give a comparison of, like, body style and all to somebody here locally, I would say Marcelo Zuna to maybe, like, a rusting and body style, per se. I can see that. let so see, want to move to, to another topic here. Let's thank the sponsors one more time. About 20, or about 26 minutes in? I do want to thank the sponsors. So, because without them, I wouldn't be able to do this. I want to thank Jason's Fast Lube Turkey Creek Outfitters, Vendor Doodles, Milton CPA Services, Emergency Citizen Bank, Riles Drugs, Jointly with Ryle's Outfitters, and the Law Office of Joseph I. Marching. Thank you so much, guys, for all the support that you have. Couldn't do it without you, man. I say, We've oh, being We've covered a good bit of baseball. You want to talk a little about a little about some recent football going? Yeah, we can. We,
1: R- we can. R- I I didn't have the chance to make it to the Trojans game last night, but good job to Coach B and uh, the team and the other coaches. Mm-hmm. Seven to six win over was it Warren County? Warren County. Yeah. So very very good game defensively. I'm assuming the offensively weren't much fireworks,
0: but All right. Just going by what I've seen. Uh, I think it was on Facebook. Coach Masella has said that he he was impressed with the uh, the fire that the team had, or like all the effort that they put in. He said that there were some things that looked good, some things that n- needed to be noticeably fixed. He said, but there are there were some greats and there were some bads, and there of course, like every game is going to be, there's going to be some things you did right and some things you really need to fix. So that's that's par for course, especially early season stuff. So I, I'm really excited to see like, when it comes down to like game one of when it really counts how this, how this team looks. I was able to catch a little bit of deep production this other
1: day, mm-hmm. uh, interview with Coach B, and mm-hmm. he was talking about how the region's gotten stronger over the year and that tougher is going to be good, tougher is going to compete, and that they're going to show up and win play every game the best of their abilities. And, like you said, though, the region has gotten tough. Mm-hmm. So it's tougher. So right. it's going to be interesting to see how it goes this year, especially we are still getting used to that new playoff system. You know, that new playoff system, you know it's based off a region. There's no power rankings no more. So
0: That's true. No, that, see, that's true. And I've I always thought that power rankings uh, – we'll, we'll kind of reminisce a little bit. I always thought the power rankings were – it was an interesting system, but there, was, there were more people – dead set against it than the people that liked it you know because there was too much there was too much worries going on with that it was uh it was too much like calculations that had to go on
1: there was too many darts sides and in between spaces that nobody knew about right between, yeah Yeah. Yeah. i mean every team that made the playoffs i can tell you when my freshman sophomore and junior year we had power rankings freshman sophomore junior year I can tell you, each year we appealed the playoffs yes. just to make sure, you know, mm-hmm. hey, recount these points. I'm sure every team 1 through 24 reappealed the playoffs. Every
0: team. Absolutely. I, th- there was too much. And, I, and, honestly, I guess this is just my own personal disdain for the, the subject of math, but there was there was too much math put into sports inside the, the playoff rankings, you know. that mean, you, you had to figure out, okay, what, what team can I go play to get a, a big amount of points just for playing them, you know? I mean, you, you, you were honestly awarded points for just going out and playing bigger competition. You got a certain amount of points just for going and showing up, but then if you so happened to beat them, the points went up and then I'll correct them if I'm wrong, I think it also depended on how, the, how said team finished the season based on how many wins they finished
1: up with. A lot goes into it as far as where they start in the preseason, where yeah. they're at midseason, where they're at the end of the season, how many points they put up against certain opponents, how many mm-hmm. points is put up against them by certain opponents. How many points did you put up against yep. them? Yeah. Um, that's kind of like my junior junior, junior sophomore year, we played Lee County and Camden County. Yep. Lee County, we got no hit, but we went and played. Yep. We went up in the power rankings. Yeah. Camden County, we went and played. We didn't get no hit, but we did – um, we did not win, obviously. I think we lost seven to zero. But either way, we went and played a seven-eight school. So you figure you're playing a seven-eight school. They're like, dang, okay. Mm-hmm. And you play Coffee County, you play Jeff Davis, uh, Bay and We played them, Twatums. Mm-hmm. You play bigger schools like that. It it gets you ready for competition. It, it it really readies you for region play to perform better against teams that are on more your level. Right and see when you go play them higher teams, you, you'll notice in every sport you play, honestly, or just watch, um, teams that are lower in the rankings, I wouldn't necessarily say lower, but let's, let's use an example of back in the day when I played baseball. tougher Baseball, you go to a school and play like tombs by day versus you drop down and go play a school like Turner. If you go down and drop a school play like Turner, you know Turner, they're going to walk every batter, hit every batter, they're not going to hit the ball, You'll play on their level. You'll, like, you ain't ever played a baseball game before. You'll still win the game, but it's a scrappy win. Mm-hmm. But you go over to day and tunes, you might get 26 hits combined between both teams and 14 runs. It might be an 8-5 to five or 8-6 to six finish. You don't know. And it just, you're like, dang, that's a great game. And we still lost. It's like you mm-hmm. go up and play on their level, and when you go down, you go down and play on their level. So the power rankings in that situation is nice. Because if you go and put runs up against some teams, then you look good.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, it, it was it. It honestly really came down to, I guess you would say, the, the higher class, of course, awarded more points or really and only really applied to – Single A, and that's another thing that was kind of stupid about it too. It yeah, only applied. To, it only applied to one class. You going up to play higher classes got you more points. So what's oh, that I, a
1: seven A school get for you know? Because they're in a the power ranking system as well, if I'm not mistaken back then. So what's that seven A school get for playing a single A school? What's that, well, seven. Well, I'm what, not sure if they what, were, were or weren't, but I, I if think, they were,
0: right. I've some, I've, as far as I know, that a single A was. For some reason, the only thing that fell within a power See, ranking system. I, I, I think all, everything man. else fell into uh, what we have now. Catch. Gotcha. I think. As, I think when they abolished the power rankings, that means that they that they got rid of it here, and that we took the format of it what everybody else did. That makes no sense, does it? See exactly, which is why which is why I thought it was stupid. Is how now it's, it's so much more simpler. I know you could look at it as almost a popularity contest. You can look at, it at the beginning of
1: the season and say, okay, if I finish here, I'll play this. And then you can look mm-hmm. at it and know who you're playing. I mean,
0: you could almost look at it as kind of a popularity contest, meaning that, okay, if I go play a 6A school, I'm going to get – let's just throw out a figure. I mean, this is this is going to be incorrect. For example's sake, I'll get 45 points for go playing a 7A school, and I'll get – 15 for playing in double-a school you could look at it as a popularity contest is saying it's only going to it's only going to pay off if I go way out of my class to play somebody and then you got you'd have to pack the first half of the season with these big schools just to be sure that you racked up enough points to where hopefully it of course you still you still want to win your region to where hopefully you can you can get maybe second you want to win the region, but second and third place may get you in because of how many points you racked up in the first half against playing these big schools. But now the simplicity is here, and everybody likes it. At least I hope they like it because it makes more sense to where it's what ain't it first four out of each one. Yes.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, top 14 teams yeah. in each region, if I'm not mistaken. All right, So
0: top four out of each one. See, it's so much more simpler. Of course, the the idea. or well, go back. Let's go to the power rankings again will say that really the only guarantee that you got into the playoffs was win your region. By also but also rack up some points by playing some Guarante- bigger games. You guaranteed session. home
1: field advantage by winning the region.
0: Yeah, you guaranteed getting in and with home field advantage by winning the region, which is something you should should have all been aiming to do. But then now it's yes. yeah, you still need to gun for winning your region, but you don't have to now, which is a bit simpler now. Fourth place will still get you in, but you're going to be on the road the entire time. entire time. Yeah.
1: And you may go down way up or way down and play. Mm I mean, you never know where you're going. Uh, Another thing I want to speak on as far as going up and playing them bigger classes to get more points, it also rips your confidence apart. Uh, You figure if you're playing a good team, not really a good team, but a team that's better than you has more potential, more talent, better than you. You figure you go up and play that team. They're boosting your confidence way down because they're they're beating you. They're making you feel like you don't know what you're doing. Like, man, I'm in a slump. Man, I can't hit. Man, I can't pitch. You know, I can't do this. But when you go down and play the bad teams or the not-so-good teams, you're tearing them up. You're like, man, I love this. It makes me feel good. You know, I can, mm-hmm. I can play. So that's the bad thing about going up and playing games to get uh, power points. It's no good because it
0: reaches confidence part. Yeah, I mean you can, but you could play devil's advocate and say, what if you go up there and so happen to catch one of them big schools on a bad day and you beat them, and they say, well, well, I think it looks like we're gonna tear it up this year. Yep. And you come back and it's and, it, and it's it's the opposite effect when you get into the region play and one of your region foes whips you to shreds and it's like, what in the world happened here? Yep. Yeah. And they're like, dang, maybe we should schedule a game with them. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's. It's just all simplicity now, which, is. Is, which is what I'm saying. It's, I mean, it all. Makes it's a pushes. mind
1: game. You dig back into it way too far, and now mm-hmm. it's just simple. You ain't you got to dig into it. You ain't questioning what's going on, and you're not wondering what's going to happen.
0: Yeah, and if you, and if you have room for out of reason games inside the season, yeah, schedule them. Try to play, try to play them if you if it's close, but you still lose. Okay, it's still a little bit of a confidence boost. It shows that you can hang with the bigger ones. Yeah, up in class. Then you come into region play, you start winning those games. Okay, okay, we lost just because that was a bigger school that just had more talent than us. See, it all comes down to, okay, here, here's your, here's your problem, here is your answer. And it comes down to doing all that math and what in the world happened here. I mean, and trying to figure out, okay, did I get in? Did I not get in? No. But then what's bad is you run across these three, four A teams that are actually single
1: A schools, quote, unquote, Gordon Lee. Mm-hmm. then they just strip you to shreds and you're like dang man that single A team whipped the, whip the heck out of me yeah. I don't know why I almost said tick, <laughs> but you whipped the heck out of me
0: but you know thankfully uh, thankfully they aren't single A anymore no thank god yeah, they're what triple they're, A now I think triple A I believe yeah which just going by pure as it always has it's always been as far as I know by population and all and uh, population size whatever you want to whatever term you want to use, they've always been the size of a. They haven't always been the size of a single A school. They've been one of the biggest. Quote un, I'll be putting it. We're putting up air quotes here, but quote unquote single A school, but recruiting. Yeah, I was going they say recruiting too, and they've always and they've they've been like way up in the corner of Georgia, away from all the other single A schools. It's almost like they're they're the most secluded. They were the most secluded single a school I've ever seen. But yeah, they're up Wait, there but they're up there playing the competition that they need to be playing now. Yeah. G- GMC is still down here, which is still I mean GM I think GMC wasn't as They don't compare to Gordon Lee. I was gonna Lee, say though. GMC wasn't as like real defined uh defined and like well well versed as Gordon Lee. I mean, they were the two to watch out for, especially within the softball arena I know. Those were the two to really watch out for, the times that they were both inside single A. But still, Gordon Lee, you could tell that they were just a few, uh, two or three steps ahead of yep. GMC, even when they were both inside the same class. Yeah, they Gordon Lee has
1: always been ahead, and it's simply because of recruiting. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what it boils down to. And it's sad to say it that way because they're single A school. Single A school, but you can't recruit a single A, or no. any public school for
0: that matter. You're right, you're right. And being we uh, we do a little off topic again. <laughs> yeah we, we started chasing some rabbits here. we're trying to think of another topic that we can jump on into. We've talked a little bit about football. I mean as, as high school softball season is here now I believe that uh, don't know much about that. I will have to you and I are both have to jump uh, dive into softball whenever we know a little bit more about it. Because we haven't gone out there a little bit, uh, haven't gone out there this year. I know I I was only able to catch two games last year. I know the, uh, they
1: lost the Bleckley game, first game. You know, Willer game them. got uh, rained out, okay. and they they killed Truthland. I think it was like twenty two to one, 22 okay. to zero. So they they killed Truthland, which is a region game. So. Yeah,
0: but you know we've still got uh, as far as we know, you and other uh, ones that we know, are somewhat on, uh, on a personal level that are still there. I know you still got great players like Samantha Marshall. that's still there, but she's a senior. This year, I believe, uh, Young senior this year, yep. playing. I think manning the shortstop position. I believe. I'm not sure off the top of my head. I think she's pitched a little bit Yes, she, she does have some pitching experience as well. I know the, uh, but I know the softball team. Also, they're gonna have to, uh, they're gonna have to make up for a uh, loss in pitching. I know Aaron Harrelson, who had, who transferred out of. Uh, Transferred out from Telfair and went to was what's the name of the school? George, George Walton. George Walton Academy up in North Georgia. So that so, so that's gonna be a hole inside the rotation that somebody's gonna to need to step up and feel. Cass,
1: Cassie's done a pretty good job this year feeling. And like
0: Cassie Anderson, that's yeah. A, yeah, that's another one I was I was trying to think of. I can't
1: believe I forgot her. Another singer. She's yeah. She pitched against Blakely, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. I believe she pitched against Wheeler, and I'm not sure about the the game. I haven't mm-hmm. seen anything on it other than her score. I, and
0: you know from what, from my limited knowledge at the time, is from what I know, is that Cassie most likely, from what I saw last year, sat in that number two slot. She did behind Aaron. I guess now, I mean, it's just line of succession now. I mean, number one, and now would be Cassie Henderson and Samantha Marshall, who, when she got her shots pitching uh, last season, as from what I could hear, Mister Diva said before I know, she, I think she did pitch in Columbus when was it last, No, the uh, year before last make it down there that year so i'm not sure I was like, they didn't make it last and they didn't make it to columbus last year might have been two years ago i think but there was one 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 of the years two two or so years ago uh you and i didn't go but mr. two mr. years ago two years ago you two and i did, you and i didn't go but uh mr deep and tj i believe were able to broadcast it they they weren't able to visually do it but they got out an audio broadcast and mm-hmm. i could i was heard mr deep saying the first game I believe Samantha pitched and just by listening by ear I could tell that she done, uh, she done fairly well in that game uh, for those who may be listening and know exactly who they played I think it was Eccles County they played in the first game I couldn't tell you I don't from know from what I can recall I mean I may be wrong but yeah I mean I, from what I know right now there are three I think Brynn if, uh, she'll step up if she needs to pitch Cassie and Samantha, those are just three right off the top of my head. I'm sure there are more, but yeah, I'm gonna have to get out there and catch uh, some more softball. I've been wrapped up in, I've, I've been wrapped up in watching a lot of college softball. When well, you and I are watching the little league uh, baseball and softball right now, mm-hmm. it's going on, they're trying to find out a world champion. I know it's always fun watching that the yes. around it round this year, softball and baseball, because now I mean, those those boys and those girls like. They've got something to play for. For Third. one thing, it's a world title, but also it's it's win or go back to school. <laughs> you
1: got to think, it's also your next generation of high school and college sports. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Those kids are going to make it up to high school. You figure they're in middle school now, 12, 13 years old. Mm-hmm. Then they'll shoot up to middle school. They finish up middle school ball, and then they go into high school. Mm-hmm. Then you start learning their names a little bit more. You look for them in the draft, uh, the draft projections then you're looking at them for college scholarships projections mm-hmm. and where they're going to land there. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we study and look at that stuff all day long, especially for Georgia. I mean, we mm-hmm. trying to stay on top of that. So
0: of course, it's interesting to watch. Of course, I know now, and, and I say this jokingly, it's true, but it's also kind of funny to think about too. Like for them, they've got something to really play for. It's win or go back to school. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. <laughs> yeah. I actually had the chance. I think it was
1: popped up in my memories of the day seven or eight years ago we actually went when georgia the so southeast was playing florida to advance to williamsport mm-hmm. we actually went to that game and georgia actually walked it off and won wow. uh, we were there it was pretty interesting cool
0: so. cool you know williamsport But we we'll are talking about baseball now because i think the little league softball is close to getting over it from where it's it, close. i think they've made, i think they're in the semis right now but yeah, Williamsport, Pennsylvania, I've always thought that that would be an incredible place to go watch. I know you've got the international teams that are coming in. I know they, the international teams punched their ticket way before. Yeah, they punched their ticket back in early May, yeah, they, early June, somewhere yeah, in there. Cause, yeah, cause the Yeah, because those tournaments went on weeks weeks
1: ahead of time. One team you can always expect big things of. Well, two teams. I'll give you two teams. Mm-hmm. Japan being obviously yeah. top dog, you're going to expect something huge out of them. Mm-hmm. Go to the major leagues, look at Shohei Otani. I mean, that just gives you an example there. Mm-hmm. Then you can always usually expect something out of either Mexico or Australia. For yeah. some reason, mm-hmm. those two teams always are very decent, mm-hmm. especially Mexico. Mexico being more decent than Australia, but Mexico's really got a pretty good team.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do. They do. Japan,
1: uh, who was it last year in the finals? Japan and, dang, who was it? I have to look that up. I can't yeah, remember now. We'd
0: have to look it up, I can't recall either. But you know, Australia is I'm that that's one of the regions that it's it's kind of a mixture of like actual Australian kids and correct me if I'm wrong, but was. I know in Australia that it could be a mixture of Australian kids and I've also heard Japan and Hawaii. Oh yeah, Hawaii too, yeah. They're in a bad mix right now. Oof, yeah, I know. Yeah, we'll pray for them. I think it was Maui that's in that big mess, um, I believe. Yeah. Also, the The Australian kids, I believe that I had heard at one time that it could, it's been, it has been in the past a mix of Australian kids and kids that live on a base. Like, a, whether it be uh, people who may be stationed in Australia mm-hmm. or New Zealand or whatever you want to say. Or it might or it might be one of them Europe teams that I was thinking about that it over one year.
1: I'm going and looking now to see when the Williamsport starts. It looks like it's August thirteenth, which would be tomorrow. But I don't think it start on a Sunday.
0: No, it had to be on Monday. But that would, they would probably they would probably be in Williamsport on Sunday.
1: Because next week would be the little league game that's played in Williamsport, the Sunday night baseball, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I we'll so. dive more into it if we can figure
0: it out. Yeah, if Williamsport we can... August sixteenth or twenty seventh. Yeah, there it is. So yeah, it is next week. So what's that? wins Start on Wednesday? What is it looks like? Eight sixteen is the first game. You got yeah, both we United see.
1: States and international bracket playing. Japan and Cuba play game one. So that'll be interesting.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah. You see, with the what's always fun about watching Mexico is that you know they've got their own professional league down there too. So you think about those Mexican kids, of course. They some of them pr- most likely dream of making it to the, for lack of a better term, Mexican big leagues. You know, mm-hmm. and if it comes down to it, it gets scouted by a major league scout that may be down there at the time. You know, uh, one big one big star that's in the majors right now, Randy Rosarena. Yep, actually played from for Mexico. Played from yeah, played for Mexico in the World Baseball Classic. Uh, Cuban by birth, but. Actually, a Mexican citizen. Yep. Yeah.
1: I thought that was very interesting. I learned at the World Baseball Classic this yeah. year that he was from Mexico. Um, mm-hmm. It was very interesting to watch. So the Mexico team in the uh, World Baseball Classic had a very good team. Mm-hmm. So it just goes to show you the talent. that A
0: little bit of everybody can produce. Oh, that's that's for sure. It shows you that baseball. What's so entertaining about it? And you learn so much about the sport through the little league stuff. You can tell just how widespread the sport of baseball is throughout the world. Like it's, it's everywhere. It's very spread out. Yeah. It's very, it's very
1: deep into some cultures. I know like Puerto Rico, Venezuela, it's very serious down there. The Dominican. Um, yeah, the Dominican Republic. I mean, you go back and watch the World Baseball Classic. Just watch the last five games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just watch how intense it was. I mean, Japan ended up winning it,
0: but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jesus. And that's the thing. Uh, and. See, and that's what's so uh, fun to watch about it too. You get people who may travel from the Dominican to wherever they're going, or they may keep it, or if if they're inside the bracket, that's still in South America. You see how, like, how rowdy it gets in there. It's almost like you see, you know, some of the most rowdy sports fans you see are most likely soccer fans. You know, those guys can like get after it if they're in a soccer match. It's almost like soccer fans appeared at a baseball game. You know, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you see, that flag, a good it's like you flag, it's like flag, flags are waving everywhere. I mean, you hear that. I mean, it's almost it's it's louder than what you have ever, ever would have really heard at a at a regular major league game. It's almost like it's almost like the World Series. Yeah, it's almost like you took the World Series and ramped it up. It, it you know, it's a
1: very good representation. Yeah. see, that's what a lot of people don't realize is yeah. They interview all these players, ask them about it and everything, and they love representing their country. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they'll tell you they like to have a good time and play because you're constantly feeling like you're in a playoff bracket because it's winner-go-home. I mm-hmm. mean, you get, what, double elimination once you get out of pool play? Yeah, I think Because so. you have pool A, B, C, D, and then once you get out of that, you play the actual teams, and it's like it's split up Arizona, Miami, uh, Japan, and then they all come together to finish it up in Miami this past year. So, you figure you got eight teams in Miami, all with superstars on them. I mean, Ronald Acuna, Eddie Rosario, the Braves players, um, mm-hmm. Francisco Lindor, Miguel Cabrera, Salvador Perez. I mean, it just the list goes on and on and on and on. And that's not even counting the players in these other countries we don't know. For
0: mm-hmm. sure, for sure. I mean, and I always look forward to it. It's a lot like it's almost like the baseball olympics you know i mean being that baseball isn't well baseball is an olympic sport it, it is as far as i know it's still i still an olympic sport it's softball that's been kind of ripped away from it mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't understand that okay so baseball still sits within the olympics as far as i know but it's almost like to me if this makes sense uh, it's almost like the 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 baseball Olympics. I'll say the, it's like Olymp, the Olympics Basically. the the Olympics of baseball in in and of itself. Everybody converging into one event that, but it's but it's not one city, you know. No, it's, it's not. It's like the baseball Olympics that you take the map and just throw some teams out there and wherever they it <laughs> whatever you you pick out the cities and then throw the whole pool out there and whatever city they land in, that's where you go and you play and you. You try to beat out whatever country's landed there with you. And it's
1: crazy. If you go look at the Japan roster, I mean, Shohei Otani, mm-hmm. talking Murakami, I mean, that's just in a few names. I can't pronounce any of the others. But there's yeah. one other kid that's like 22, 23, mm-hmm. throws 102. Mm-hmm. And starting pitcher throws 101, 102 for seven innings. And, you mm-hmm. know, pitch count is a big factor in World Baseball Classic. If you throw mm-hmm. 85 pitches, you're done for a week. Mm-hmm. Or it's five days when I can't remember, but either way, I, it's think, still, I think it was five days. Eighty-five yeah. pitches, you're done. I mean, that's that's going back to Little League World Series. Yeah. Eighty-five pitches, you're done. Mm-hmm. You don't throw for
0: five days. So that's the thing about it too, is that especially when the World Baseball Classic every time it comes around, it's it's literally right in the middle of Major League Spring Training, and all these other managers, they they have it already screwed into their head. Okay, some of these guys. Play within the play within the MLB. So I've got to keep them as healthy as possible. This, if you play in the World Baseball Classic, that is your spring training. That is your spring. That training. is your spring training. Your
1: spring training is a warm up for the World Baseball Classic, <laughs> and then your World Baseball Classic is a warm up for the regular season.
0: Pretty pretty much, pretty much. And these managers haven't screwed into their heads that some of these guys are professional baseball players inside the United States uh, playing with the MLB. So I've got to keep, especially them, keep them healthy. And send them back to whatever facility they reported from. Okay, that's yeah. right. Because well, I know even Freddie Freeman, whenever he played for Team Canada, he he kind of tweaked something. I can't even remember what it was. I don't think he played anymore after that. Did he? After that, I think he won. I think he maybe won it bad. I think he might have won it bad, or so he got checked out afterwards. In the in the uh, Canada manager sent him back to Arizona. Nope. They say send him back to the Dodgers. Uh, clubhouse and they even asked about how he was he said freddy's fine he said but i send him back to the dodgers he said because if he gets hurt i don't want that on my head that's exactly yeah. right i mean look at the year <laughs> freddy's
1: having now yeah i actually had the pleasure of going to watch him play a couple weeks ago in l.a so that was that was one of the once in a lifetime opportunity and he was nice to yeah. see free play and hit right. a homer so oh
0: yeah oh yeah of course i mean i've always I said one of my buddies that he's he's sorely missed. I'll never I will never be a Dodgers fan, but I will always be a Freddie Freeman fan.
1: Yeah, it was kind of hard rooting for the Dodgers, <laughs> but I was rooting for Freddie.
0: So it was um, in betweener Of course, of course. I know. I mean, I, I I would probably say the only person that, if I were at that Dodgers game, I would only ever say anything to Freddie, than than besides anybody else. Can I tell you how weird it is though, just to hear
1: Freddie chants going around Dodgers Stadium? <laughs>
0: I bet it was weird. very
1: weird, especially I mean, when you're at the playoff game where you hit the home run for Josh Hader I know. and you heard him there. I know. that was weird.
0: Yeah, I know, man. I know. Let's see, what else have we got? Let's see, we got uh, talked about the world baseball class that we've touched a little bit on softball. We'll, we, if I if we sit down again, we'll touch more on softball once we have more knowledge on it. Uh, we'll talk about a little bit about college football and then we'll probably shut it down because we're approaching the hour mark. I know Georgia football is. I think, what are we, three or four Saturdays away? I think it's four. I could be wrong. Yeah, th- three or four weeks away. Not too, not too far away. And uh, that's something I will be talking more in depth about with uh, Chris Milton whenever I sit down with him for like a sponsor appreciation episode with. Uh, Milton CPA Services. We'll talk more about that with him, but I want—I just want to get your opinion, your opinions or your uh, expectations of the 2024 uh, Georgia football season. I know that just the huge question that's going around now is what's Georgia looking like and can Kirby Smart do the unthinkable and actually be the first, actually have Georgia be the first college football team to win three national titles in a row. Georgia's
1: team is very, very, very good. Kirby has done an awesome job recruiting from the time he stepped foot on the University of Georgia until now and will continue to do a great job recruiting. Um, you saw the recruits that he's got a quarterback now, Carson Beck, just to name one. Uh, mm-hmm. He just picked up another good running back for the class of 25 or 24, if I'm not mistaken, one to two. Um So Kirby's recruiting. Kirby's winning recruits, and he's winning five-star recruits. And he's also winning four-star recruits. I mean, you look at the recruiting class, Alabama's down there, but Georgia's at the top in just about every category across recruiting. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kirby's got them guys practicing. Them guys are going to show up to play. we got a lot of returners coming back. We graduated a few. Um, Obviously, the biggest question, I think, going into the season is who's going to fill that mailman role. Who's yeah. going to take steps Bennett's place?
0: I mean, and right now the heavy favorite, of course, is Carson Beck. But, right. But uh, Kirby has also went on the record and saying that not did not just look at Carson Beck. I mean, you, we we all need to pay attention to more than Carson Beck. And I right. and I agree. Not just look at him just because he was a number two last year. I mean, like, he's all he has gone on record and say to. Pay attention to Gunnar Stockton. Pay attention to Brock Vandergrift. But, but you know, Brock has been the one to kind of fade in, fade into the background per se he so since he's been there. Which makes me wonder, is. Is Brock the number two right now, or is it Connor Stockton right now? You see, it's, yeah. it's very hard to say because, yeah. like you say, it's just a matter of reps, who's
1: doing yeah. what in practice. Yeah. And, I mean, mm-hmm. we know a little bit based on what reporters tell us on the news, but as far as actually seeing firsthand who's doing what, mm-hmm. you can't really tell. And Like Kirby said, you know, Jake from first game of the season a couple of years ago, gets hurt and goes down. Stetson comes in. Stetson never not started a game since so, I mean, it's one of them situations, you know. If something happens, he's going to change it out, and you might be the new starter and don't realize it until it's already too late. Yeah, that's I awesome. mean, I so that. it's one of them situations you got to play for. It's basically up in the air for grabs. Mm-hmm.
0: And I know uh, the quarterback position, I mean, I'd say 90% of the people are stuck on the decision of Carson Beck, which I would say right now, yeah, sure, go, go ahead. He's done well in, let's just go ahead and call it what it is, mop-up duty for the mailman mm-hmm. pretty much. He he really wasn't, he. you've never really, none of us have been able to see what Carson Beck can really do as a quarterback because the game was already put away. There was no need for Carson Beck to show off and try to see w- what he can do. I mean, he didn't have to try to win the game, he just had to keep it I was gonna say he just had to keep it where it was. I mean, move the ball, kill some time. You don't have to score a touchdown if you so happen to if you so happen to score. Hey, good for you. Yeah. But, but his his goal most likely going out there was okay. We don't need to score. But at the same time, he probably had that itch back there. It's like dang, I want to score. I want to throw a touchdown pass right now. But not not. I would almost say ninety percent of the time, what we saw as fans. They just ran the ball. Especially at the like late play, part of the game, like up big and yeah. running time off. Yeah. Exactly. Which is what you're supposed to do to kill time on the FC. because every time you throw a pass Incomplete. And, and, uh, and if right, and if it's incomplete, it the clock stops. Running the ball keeps it running. I mean it just Unless the, you the, get a first down and then
1: it stops make change. Yeah, that's that's that.
0: the only time that it'll stop. As soon as the chains hit the grass once again, clock starts back. Okay, time to go again. Run another play. Which see with the running backs that we've had over the past few years, they've all all been incredible. The entire time that they would run the ball, it was always like no less, no less than a three yard gain. You go four plays. That's twelve. Four yards. plays. That's twelve yards. Or if you go, you, like I said, no less than three. Some of it might have been five or six. You can go two plays if it's you get two five-yard runs. That's another first down. You're further down the field, more seconds coming off. So Carson, And then all of a sudden that dime piece just over the middle goes to Brock Bowers for a touchdown. <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> yeah you, that, that was going to be my next point, too. you got to think now is that it, it most likely is Carson Beck's time to shine now, and I'm, re, I'm really wanting to see what he can do. I didn't get to catch a lot of the spring game because – uh, surprise, surprise, I was at a college softball game that, that, that on G-Day. Uh, but I did watch the highlights, and he did really good in G-Day with throwing some passes and all. But so did the, but so did the other two. I mean, the, the game was close, uh, close all around, but Carson Beck all around had the slightly better numbers. And I think he'll be the one to really watch for so far but as Kirby has always said, don't just hone in on one quarterback because you've seen, the, you've seen the history at the position of quarterback for Georgia. Somebody goes down and they may be down for the, and they may be down per se, they may get healthy again, but they may be down on the bench for the entire season because whoever was sitting at number two came in and started, uh, started racking up their stats, uh, triple digit passing yards, four or five, uh, four or five touchdown passes,
1: you go back to yeah. J- Jacob Eason yeah. and JT Daniels. Both yeah. of them were going yeah. to be starters. Yeah, you go,
0: yeah, especially more along the lines of Jacob Eason. You think about the hype that he had on him coming in, and then Jake Fromm comes in. I mean, Eason ends up going down, having a slight injury. We, we, nobody even really remembers what that injury was I don't because everybody, honest, would you? because Fromm came in and got his first start in, in Indiana, in South Bend. Against uh Notre Dame against yeah against Notre Dame in front of in front of touchdown Jesus and yeah. and he did incredible in that game. You can flash back to one of the huge plays in that game was that incredible catch mm-hmm. from Terry Godwin that won't we'll never forget it. Won't we'll ever forget it. Kind of almost similar to an a la AJ Green type of catch in the Colorado game back years ago or Odell. Yeah, or maybe or close to an Odell Beckham type of thing. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, we've. We all know the history of the, of the quarterback position where, yes, somebody may come in and may start doing good, but you go down, and that may be the last time you see them on the field, yeah. except for mop-up
1: duty. Yeah. And see, one one person I'm going to miss at wide receiver and hoping we can feel and find somebody to step up and take that key role, George Pickens. He didn't play a whole lot, but when he did, and obviously I'm thinking he graduated last year. I mean the year before. Right. But George Pickens – I mean, McConkey he took that role kind of last year yeah but mm-hmm. you figure you can't rely just on solely McConkey and Bowers you got to have some other guys split out too you can't you, know, you can't rely on two guys to get your whole offense going
0: and Ladd McConkey is one guy that I'm very happy to hear that he's uh, he came back so he goes you yes. know Ladd could have left too yep. yeah easy yeah Ladd could have left and gone but hey but you could see how he Slowly rose rose in the ranks at Jordan. It's like, well, I'm not done yet because I think if he would have gone this year, he would have been a late draft pick. I mean, he wouldn't Second, have got
1: third, maybe fourth fifth round. Yeah,
0: I would say middle rounds at at, at the highest. But if he comes back, this yeah, year if he comes like out, doing yeah, if he keeps and he, t- and he turns up another year like he had this year, hey, he may be a he's fast. He huh? he may be a he may be a very well solid after piece from somebody. Especially if they do the unthinkable and actually win the third national title, wouldn't that be something? Yeah, you know, exactly. Not i mean, on not going wood, you know, right? Speaking, hoping here, right? And see, see, and and I'm not even going to ask the question about will they win the third national title. Well, we're not even going to make that prediction because. I mean, you honestly can. We predicted
1: wrong last year.
0: You know, yeah, we we were wrong last year, and I, I'm not even gonna throw that question out there because I don't even know what I would say right now about whether they would or not. Well, can they win the third national title in a row? Yes, they can. But will they? That remains to be seen. Yeah, that remains to be seen. So you'll you'll get no answer out of me for that right now. sure right. I mean, yeah. you always got
1: to worry about Nick Saban in Alabama. Always, yeah, always got to worry about That's him. Right then you figure you always got to worry about Florida I mean they mm-hmm. may be the worst team in the east mm-hmm. never you can't pass Vanderbilt even though you know but <laughs> Florida you got to mm-hmm. keep an eye out for them they're that team you know you go in there big headed they will come out and whip your tail mm-hmm. so it's, sure. it's definitely one of the things you've got to stay on your toes ready to go and you can't forget about Georgia Tech as well Georgia Tech will remind you you know
0: and I know Georgia Tech. Uh, I know with the coaching changes that they've had. I know I think they'll be uh, well on their way up because I think they hired some good people. I know Georgia lost somebody off staff to Georgia Tech. They've been doing some major recruitment. So I think uh, so I think they'll be well on their way to becoming a good school again. I know. I think if they can get back to like peak Paul Johnson days, you know, which of course I. They'll probably never run that style of offense mm-hmm. there again. But I'm saying, like ty- that, those that type of play, mm-hmm. where they they were they became semi formidable inside the ACC. Will they ever win the ACC in the next couple of years? Uh, probably not. But I'm saying that when, when when they become, for lack of better, I'll say a, a real a real nuisance. You know what I mean to teams that they play. I mean they're not going to be a championship. Contender, but I think if they can get back to where they're that nuisance, I think they'll be somebody to really uh, kind of watch for and not 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 take them so lightly. You know? Yeah,
1: yeah. You make a great point there. Yeah, you're not gonna see Georgia Georgia Tech in the uh, national championship right, game right, right, by yeah. no means, but yeah. you know you could see Georgia Tech surprise a few people in the ACC. Um, obviously, you got to contend with North Carolina, Boston College, Virginia Tech, yeah. uh, Clemson, of course, the big one. Uh, You figure. Florida State. Florida State. You put put up good numbers against a couple of those teams. You figure Clemson and Florida State will probably give you a good run for your money. Boston College will as well. Virginia Tech's not a bad team. There's really not a bad team in the ACC. I mean. Oh, yeah.
0: I mentioned. I forgot about Virginia Tech. And glad You said that. I just. And Pitt. I I mentioned Tyler Bowen a while ago. How could I forget about uh, Virginia Tech? And he, uh, he actually reassured me, too. I'll, we'll we'll touch him for new tape real quick. He told me that he was uh, really excited about the transfers that they got in. He said uh, last I, – I even told him to grade last year about what he would say. He said last year, he said, for me, it was kind of an F. He said it was three and eight. He said, I, I don't expect to see three and eight again this year. He said we lost four games last year by a combined total of 11 points. Wow. Yeah, you're less than a one-score game basically every Mm -hmm. game. Mm -hmm. At least he said so. He said you could just by that stat there, you can tell that it was mistake-filled. So yeah, turnovers. But the ACC is gonna be a it's gonna be a conference to really watch for a lot of development from each team. Some are progressing, some of them are falling off a little bit because they lost some key people. But We'll find out. So So my question to you is: Clemson, are they falling off?
1: Are they still at that tick point where they're going to win the ACC? I mean, they're in the in-between stage. They, yeah, the guy, they got talent, yeah. but, they, I mean, they, you can't say they don't because they do, but it's mm-hmm. young talent. Everybody yeah. on their team is young
0: except a few. I mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know I, his name escapes me right now, but the backup to DJ Uyagalele, I know DJ transferred out to – Oregon State, I think, I think that's correct. I, I think so, but I can't. Have, like I said, we'll have to. I'll have to look it up for later and to find out the backup's name. To DJ, I think he he put up some good numbers whenever DJ was kind of falling off, and Dabo pulled him out of the games. So he he comes uh, he comes into this year, puts up great numbers like he did it, with Clemson. I think that they would be somebody that would contend for a division title. None of, uh, for at least he did transfer to Oregon State. Okay, and I know a division title for Clemson is very well in the picture. I know North Carolina, Mac Brown, who's you talking about? Got Cade uh, Clubnet,
1: number uh, sophomore from Clemson. That may be him. That's the second that. string. Okay, now yeah. first string for now.
0: Okay, I got you. I know Mac Brown with uh, with North Carolina. He's got them in a good spot. I know uh, a real Heisman contender at quarterback, so that's somebody he's really got to work with. If you flash back many, many years ago with the with Colt McCoy at mm-hmm. at Texas, whenever Mac Brown was there, I mean, you could tell that Mac knows how to work with a quarterback. I mean, the ACC's got people to really uh, to really duke it out with each other. I, I don't think there's really one. One team that sits above all. There's really not. Yeah, I think it's gonna be. It. I, I think there's gonna be some punches thrown all around. Because Boston College is actually a very, very yeah. good team as well. I yeah, mean, Boston College. You don't really hear much
1: about them, but yeah, they're really honestly a good team. So mm-hmm. it's one of the things you got to kind of keep an eye out for.
0: And watching out for. I, I know I, Miami is always nipping at people's heels as well too. Yep. I don't know Florida State seems to be inching their way back they're trickling back up I think so they're, they're coming on their way back up I think they're one of those teams that I referred to as progressing instead of regressing so yeah I think there's going to be something to watch in the ACC I, I don't know a definitive winner right now I, I, the, the North Carolina quarterback his name escapes my mind at the moment
1: Yeah, I feel like Clemson's got probably the best shot in the ACC just because of their past history. Debo Sweeney, um, just the overall talent they have. But don't be surprised to watch other teams trickle up and give them a good run for their money because Clemson ain't as good as they once was.
0: Drake May. Drake May. That's the one that he's very highly thought of. Heisman contender coming into this year. He put up incredible numbers. I think he'll be somebody to really keep an eye on so, yeah, North Carolina won't be somebody to sleep on. Right now, if I had to make a prediction, I mean, Matt Brown and the, and the Tar Heels, they, they fought back and won some games that some people didn't really think that they should have won last year. Mm-hmm. Big time. Yeah, so I'll say that right now, I mean, you may want to watch the Tar Heels. That's I mean, a possibility. I'm saying all around, that entire athletic program there, not, not just the football team have always been great, good through the years. Yep. Baseball, softball. Basketball. <laughs> Basketball especially. I mean, just all around North Carolina. I mean, keep your eye on them.
1: Yeah, for sure. Definitely a team you want to not sleep on.
0: I think all around, we'll touch on uh, Georgia's recruiting real quick and then we'll get out of here. I know, at, the, at least at the quarterback position, I know – Somebody's transferring, whether it's this year or next Next year. year. Because you think now inside the quarterback room, discounting the walk-ons, I'm talking about the big three right now, you have Carson Beck, Gunnar Stockton, and Brock Vandegrift. Next year, you you would have Ryan Puglisi from Avon, Connecticut, coming in, four-star quarterback. Alongside, I did not mean to click on that. <laughs> then you would have coming alongside Dylan Raiola, who is now a native of Buford, Georgia. Who he came from? uh was it Arizona? Somewhere in the Midwest to out west, but he he transferred in. He had something went on at at school he was at. I don't. He got in. I think he got into a little bit of trouble, and that he would have to sit out a couple of games. And he decided to transfer high school so he could play the entire year, put up some more numbers. And for anybody that really follows football a good bit, especially inside Georgia high school football, it's not much of a surprise to see somebody of his stature or popularity per se transfer into Buford. Buford lost schools. I Buford would say somebody like, if, or a school of the likes of Buford or, or a Grayson or a Peach, or maybe a Peach. I was, um, some of the Warner Robins schools might, uh, could have been... the uh, state contenders, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, all of your state contenders. One of the Warner Robins to Macon schools could have been a contender to, to land somebody like uh, Dylan Royola, but it's more northern Georgia. You were thinking around maybe... Uh, Atlanta area somewhere in the Atlanta area maybe even uh, I was going to say you would need to be high class I was about to say Eagles Landing but I don't think he would have landed at Eagles Landing yeah, yeah. but yeah th- those two in, in general I think somebody, somebody leaves the quarterback room at least by next year somebody will it would probably I can't say any guesses but it's like you say you don't know how the season's going to play out you don't really know you're right, you're right. And I think if I had to throw a guess out there, I would say probably Vandergriff. I was going to say Gunner. Stop. Are oh, you think so? I think so. I'd, I'd have to check in. I think Vandergriff has some sort of a family connection to Auburn, which is why I said that he may transfer out because there's a legitimate... There's a legitimate landing spot for him if he Auburn needs quarterback. Yeah, exactly. See, exactly. I mean, that that's a legitimate that, that would be a legitimate landing spot for him if he decided to transfer out, because he he wouldn't be going to. It's not like he's going into the well. What's what what's now the Pac Four per se? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's not like he's going into the Mountain West Conference if he transfers to Auburn. You know, he's going just. He's just tra- – he would be transferring divisions, that's all. Yeah, east to west. Yeah. So, I mean, that's going to be an interesting thing to watch out for, the running backs. I know that started with uh, Chubb and Sonny Michelle. Both of them were still there when Kirby got there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, that, that started with this joke come from from that, that year that they were both there. They asked Kirby, was like, are you recruiting <laughs> – more running backs to come in, being you've got such a stacked room. You say, "Well, of course I am. Two of them leaving." Yeah, exactly right. So you have people like I think the most recent, the most recent guy to come in I saw was Nate Fraser from Santa Ana, California. Georgia's been big on the California recruitment too, and so the Carolinas and in California is where they've always been big at. California, they but they you, they've got some raw talent out there. But nonetheless, I mean, but all that comes from I know Kirby's a great recruiter, but especially within the run game, I mean, you cannot fault. I mean, but you, and plus you got to give due due praise to the running game coordinator, Mister Dale McGee. Yes. Big time. I mean, the man knows how to do his job.
1: Very well. Yeah. Georgia's always been a very good job at working the backs and maintaining the backs and keeping them fresh. It really wears down your defense, especially if you're running the hurry-up offense. Because Georgia will get in that tempo where they get to run in that hurry-up, keep back in for a couple of plays, get them out, and you're still keeping tempo, running them on the field. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it'll mix you up, especially to wear your defense down.
0: And of course, the running backs aren't the only thing that's really plentiful here. You've got a lot of offensive linemen coming in, the the big uglies, as they're known for mm. being called. Uh, they average a height anywhere between six four to six six. I know one guy they got coming in. He's he's going to have to drop some weight, but what, what he's listed at on twenty four seven sports right now, six foot eight, three hundred and sixty pounds. So so he's going to drop a little bit of weight he'll have to drop probably at least 20 pounds he'll have to drop at least 20 pounds probably drop all that weight and get tightened up a little bit because you know when you drop some weight you're going to have a little excess there you know really get tightened back up because that's a little too big right now I mean to to me that sounds that that sounds like if he if he kept that weight he'd be a little slow
1: yeah yeah then again you don't really know he might be fast
0: (laughs) Who knows how mobile he is, but right now, I mean, especially in like you six, you're six foot eight. That's tall already. Very tall. So he's got long legs. So you got to think. I mean, the long legs, you're gonna take around. You're gonna spin around 360 pounds for four plays. If it comes down to it, yeah, he's gonna have to drop some weight a little bit to get a little bit leaner. Not, I mean, it's not like he's going from 360 to 290. No, it's no. Like, it's gonna be probably around. 330, 330, 340. 330 4, uh, 335, 340 at the absolute most. Because mm-hmm. some of these other linemen that are coming in, you got a four-star defensive lineman, six, four and a half 260. Offen- another offensive tackle from- coming out of Texas, 6'7", 335. See, that's around where he may need to be at. Another offensive tackle, six, five and a half 335. 6'7", 336. Chauncey Bowen's another running back, 5'11", 219. So, I think he's around the weight that he should be. That's nice
1: the thing about George Georgia's always got a good mixture of running backs, some being thicker than others yeah. and some being and some, know, somebody being a
0: little, some, some being a little bit taller and a little bit skinnier. Like
1: Kenny McIntosh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's small as they come. Very good out the backfield catching the
0: ball, run the ball. You got one defensive lineman coming in. uh, Namdi Ogwoko from North Carolina, 6'4", 335. Quintavious Johnson out of Mays High School, 6'4", 242. That's kind of on the lower end. He may, he may gain some weight, you mm-hmm. would think. Offensive tackle, 6'5", 320, coming from Cartersville High That's School. That's about perfect. Cartersville High School, another prominent program. Mm-hmm. Big time. Big time coming, uh, producing the likes of uh, Trevor Lawrence. And of course, uh, a punter as well. I mean, yeah. the, the Georgia still has a punter, so I mean, it, it, he'll just have to be somebody to learn from. He'll have to learn from the uh, he'll have to learn from the Aussie, because the Aussie this past year he barely punted. <laughs> barely, <laughs> he barely he barely punted. Be all around. I mean, uh, overall rank of the recruiting class one, on um, most of the polls at least. Right now, I think well-deserved ranking. I think Georgia's doing their job. Oh, yeah, Georgia's doing a great job. Can't wait to see
1: them get back on the field and see how we do this year. Maybe go for the 3 peak.
0: Hopefully so. And Like I said, I mean, if somebody were to ask me on the street somewhere, can uh, will Georgia complete a three-peat, I, I, I would give the exact answer I just gave a while ago. Can they do it? Yeah, they can do it. Will they do it? Remains unknown, and i'll i I'll, I'll have to see it in January. Yeah, i was gonna say I'll have to see it in January. I'm not gonna tell you that they that they will, but that I'll tell you they can. It's gonna be interesting to watch and see. And I even told Joey Martin this in the the last show that I did with him. Especially, we talked about the receiving core. I know with lost Darnell Washington, mm-hmm. absolute beast of a tight end. He'll, he's you there. Right. He's there with George Pickens at the Steelers. He's mm-hmm. been he's been putting up great numbers. Uh, the Philadelphia Bulldogs are looking good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Philadelphia Bulldogs are looking well. The defense, they lost some huge pieces once more. Yes. But we'll, we'll see how they recover, how they fill in the holes. Philadelphia uh, Bulldogs. That's well, a good way to put it, ain't it? Well, you have two of the line at least two of the linebackers in Philadelphia, N'Kobe Dean, yep. uh, Nolan Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Jordan Davis up front on the line. Yep. You have one, somebody in the secondary. I don't remember who it is. Uh, Dang. If you wouldn't have said it, I could have told you. Yeah, we'll figure it out as soon as I stop recording. Now. But, yeah, overall, yeah, they I mean, Philadelphia drafted a good handful of Georgia Bulldogs. But that's just going to make the Eagles a lot better. You it know? is, very much. And Kenny McIntosh with the running backs, uh, he went to – Seattle, I think. I yeah, think that's right. I believe so. But all around, they got some holes to fill, and I think they will with the right people because, I mean, they've got just people on the bench waiting for their shot. Exactly right. I mean, Georgia fans need to go ahead and, I guess, prepare, uh, mentally and emotionally prepare to see Brock Bowers give the peace sign at the end of the season, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because, well, essentially coming. Oh yeah, it's oh oh yeah, it's it's coming. Especially, I mean, even if they don't win the national title, I mean, Bowers with his own draft stock, he's already got two reams to his repertoire. Yep. And uh, he's and uh, Ryan Clark even said one time on Get Up on ESPN, he said the best tight end in college football is still playing in college football. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> sure is. Yeah. That, that was when they were breaking down this past draft class. He even said the best tight end is still playing in college football. Yep. Yep. He- when he mm-hmm. goes to the draft, he'll go top, top mm-hmm. round for sure. Oh yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, I think all he's got to do is just keep put, doing what he's doing. He's, yeah, keep doing what he's doing. Put up, put up numbers similar to how he's been doing. If he don't win the national title, as I said, so be it. You've you padded your stats enough. Even when you add in when you add in what you do this year, because I think he's just gonna be he's gonna be doing more of what Brock Bowers does best. I would have to agree with you 100%. Is there anything that we haven't covered that you might want to cover? I know we've basically, as I said, we winged it and we just talked about what popped into our head. We've covered pretty much a lot of stuff. Yeah, we've gone all over the place and we've covered everything that we can think of. I mean, just hope those that listen don't get lost in the weeds of what what we've said. (laughs) But yeah, for the last time today, I do want to thank the sponsors the of Law Office of Joseph I. Marchant for services from him. You contact him at 478-374-1505 for the Drug Store and Ryle's Outfitters. You can call them at 229-868-6735 or stop by at 12 South 2nd Avenue. Merchants and Citizens Bank, you can stop by and see them in town. It's a proud sponsor of us. You call them at 229-868-5656 or visit them on the web at www.merchantsandcitizensbank.com. Milton CPA Services is located downtown in the old Security State Bank building. You can, co- you can go see them or call at 229-868-5614 or visit on the web at www.miltoncpaservices.com. Vineyard Doodles is online at www.vineyardoodles.com. On Facebook and Instagram, if you're looking for a cute new member of your family, don't hesitate to visit Rex. Cannon Law Firm, when a, they're downtown and in Eastman, they offer big city expertise with the of Small Town Service in areas of real estate transactions, family law, criminal defense, social security, disability, and personal injury. Turkey Creek Outfitters, you go visit their page on Instagram and Facebook, or you can contact Kyle. I'm sure his number is on the page. And Jason's Fastly, you can contact them at 229 868 5344 or go down there and visit them at 200 Avenue, McRae, Helena, Georgia, 31055. And that'll do it for episode 26, I believe. Of I enjoyed every minute of this. I'm glad to be able to join you and do it again. Oh yeah, we're gonna have to sit down and do it again. I mean, these are the types of episodes that really are the more are the most relaxed. I would say, just sitting at a table with a drink and chatting sports with a friend. You know, what I mean, just sure. the ones the ones where you just get the kick back and you don't really have everything mapped out. You know, sure.
1: And Ain't got no papers in front of you. The only thing you got is Johnny. your phone. You brain. Mm-hmm.
0: it's nice. Yeah, all you all you really need is the phone to like everything we thought of that we couldn't think of. Just Google it, man. I mean. But after all, I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Hope to see you. Well, I hope to have you all tune in for episode 27. Yet to be seen, it's possibly going to be a sponsor appreciation episode with Milton CPA Services. We'll be there with uh, Chris Milton, and we'll talk some more Georgia football. Of course, it'll be closer to season time. We'll talk about the – conference realignments we'll talk about the effect of what we think it might be happening we'll talk about the we'll talk more about the nil because i think more regulations may be in play in the coming in the coming months but until then you guys take care and i'll see you next time